becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the is a dream that you to make real. Passing note of the song, glimmer, glimmer of the ship being seen. Saw it, saw it. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> what was that? that? Cheers. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like we're going to get in trouble tonight. <laughs> get in trouble? Yeah. Because uh, just before the podcast, we're talking about the talk about it. Like, we're kind of all over the place. Yeah. So if you're if you're listening and you're uh, not, not uh, capable of sensitive material, we recommend you just turning off the podcast because we are going to say things. <laughs> what? What are we going to say? I don't know, but we were just we were just kind of all over the place and and so many half thoughts. And that's I, true. And I wanted to preface it. Some these all are right. half thoughts. Well, let's just. Do you want to be brave? You want to be risky? No, I would be not a coward. really. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we have a new president. We can start with that. You can. We can. Today's January twentieth. January twentieth. It happened. It did. Wow. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> what a, a I I wouldn't even call it a roller coaster. What was this? A freight train. I don't even a lot of people are talking like it's over, like we did it, it's uh-huh. finally over. Yeah. I, I feel like that's the wrong. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's not the right take. That's a cold take. This isn't a uh as much as it's been paid this way, uh, a Trump or a Biden thing. It's it, it, it seems like there's so much more so much more deeper than that. Like, like we're, I think we as a nation are struggling with some existential questions that have been inflamed. And this is a, Mm. this is something that is, um, do you think this represents that? I I feel like it's like an outcropping of that. Mm -hmm. It does seem that way. Obviously that was a very loaded statement and that's something that Matt and I've been trying to unpack of, What's happening, what has happened, and what is going to happen? I don't have good answers for any of those questions. I know, me neither. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like, know what has happened, much less what is going to Well, happen. it felt to me today, I felt very um, sort of spun off my wheels, mm-hmm. my rocker, my That's casters. Wheels or casters. I, <laughs> I felt spun off my casters. <laughs> um because there was a sense, and maybe this is a really good thing. I mean, there was a sense uh, watching the inauguration that, like, okay, some story has come to an end, mm-hmm. and like there was some kind of agreement about what the story was. Mm-hmm. And I think that made me feel really disoriented because there's so many things that I don't understand, and, and we can maybe just to name two. Um, that surrounded this event, you know, where there was the January 6th incident, um, which I just have almost zero answers about in all questions. Mm-hmm. And the narrative, the, the, the description of that um, was decided immediately, exactly yeah. what that was and what it meant. Mm-hmm. And every time I go try to sort of like look at the videos and I, it doesn't match to me. Um, and I, I don't want to try to figure it out on the podcast, but that seems like an unresolved, like I'm still spinning around from that. Like, what was that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause on the one hand you had like a clear, like very felt violation of, um, sacred ground. Yeah. On the other hand, it was so strange the way that it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, cops just <clears throat> standing around doing nothing 
it was like people with machine, like, like armed, I guess, national guards. I don't know what they were machine guns, just standing around while people were trying to break in, not doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. What the hell was that? (laughs) Um, you know, and then the second thing is, I guess, as a response to that, uh, you know, the inauguration today happened under the guard of 35,000 troops behind a 12 foot fence lined with razor wire. Um, and I guess Biden had all of those troops vetted for any signs of loyalty to Trump. And I just thought no one's saying anything about this, but if I just look at the optics of it, Mm -hmm. if the same thing happened, but the person being inaugurated was Trump, it would be really clear what those optics were. Yeah. So I don't know how to explain that. Um, but it does feel like, you know, maybe today was at least symbolically putting all of that to an end and moving forward, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to, again, I think that's part of the, the, the media being just such, just failing at sense-making that it's really hard to comprehend. Like no one's really telling us a good story, you know, as far as um, the complexities of what has been happening and what is going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, no one seems to be dealing in complexities at all. No, they're just dealing in narrative matching. Like I see something, I can match it to this. Mm -hmm. And whether that narrative is, you know, Republicans bad, Democrats good, or Democrats bad, Republicans good, or whatever, you know, you want to do with it. It's like, Mm -hmm. you just sort of pick and choose the parts of the story that you want that matches the story you want to tell, and you're off to the races. Yeah. And in the, I just feel like I'm still in the past. Like, what what about all this other stuff that you didn't even address, you know, from, Mm -hmm. from both sides? Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of things undressed, undressed, <laughs> unaddressed. <laughs> a lot of things are sitting out there naked. I would <laughs> like for more <laughs> things to be undressed and revealed. That's true. We need more naked things out there. Naked. I'd like the way you say naked. <laughs> naked. Naked things. That's a, that's a West Texas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like nuclear. <laughs> Wait, what, what was the word you just oh, said? I forgot how Bush uh, said it. Nuclear? Nu- oh, nuclear. Nuclear. Yeah. Nuclear. Oh, one of the, one thing that I liked, uh, from Biden's inauguration speech today, did you watch it? Oh. Uh, every time he said the word strength, he said strength, mm. which I got to chuckle out. Is <laughs> that like a Midwestern strength? strength? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's a Midwestern thing or just an old guy thing. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm bookmarked it to check out later. Uh huh. <clears throat> Anytime he says it again. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, it's it's kind of like anytime you come to a, a new beginning of some sort, there's a certain um, okay. So what do, what do we got now? You know, because mm-hmm. like, you know in politics, everyone says all these things prior, and everyone gets all riled up, and and then it's like okay, here we got this guy. You know, what mm-hmm. we, what's going to happen? Yeah. And, and obviously like with most presidents, it's like half the things they talk about, nothing ever really right. gets done. Right. <laughs> so it's like, so I'm just kind of curious once everything kind of settles and when, obviously the first hundred days is always like, we're going to get all this stuff done. When is the last time that one party had the white house house and Senate? 
Has it been a it's been a while, right? I don't know. I feel like it's been that oh the oh the House, Senate, and the presidency. Yeah, I don't remember that. I know like I, I think it's been a while. Yeah, usually like they have one or the other at some point in time. Yeah, so I wonder if that sort of classic you know president makes a hundred promises and gets maybe to address 50 or what, you know, they don't mm-hmm. do half the stuff they say they're going to do. I wonder if that'll be different given that, uh, this, this sort of new, um, balance of power or imbalance, however you want to see it, I guess. Totally. Yeah. I kind of wonder if it'll be more of like, um, where you'll see more of the, uh, what do you call it? The complexities of the democratic party, you know, in the sense where, there might not be as there might, you know, where you can, when you're not, when you're the minority, you don't have as much, maybe the luxury of, <clears throat> of having a different opinion, you know, uh, but when you're in the majority, you can kind of have a, uh, a more nuanced or, or differing or what do you call it? Whenever, um, dissenting view from your party. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe one another way to say that is the the Overton window of your party can expand a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Um, where just for anybody who hasn't heard that term before, an over the Overton window is is the set of how would you say it? The set of of uh, acceptable beliefs acceptable beliefs within a current mm-hmm. zeitgeist. Um, and the in the window can change left or right and grow and shrink in size. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if the democratic party will gain a bit more nuance as a result of it, which hopefully would be a good thing. But there's also a whole other sort of narrative out there, which is, um, Hmm. Let me, let me pull that up. I've been hearing this for a while that basically like, um, that the U S has no far left. Hmm. Um, and so they sort of like, see if I can find it. They, um, instead sort of redraw right, left and basically put AOC as moderate, right. Oh, interesting. And then it's, it's a weird move. I, I, um, I have always taken it as a way to, um, discredit anyone on the right Mm -hmm. by basically saying the real right is on the left. And I think the democratic party really would like the Republican party to go away completely. Mm. Um, I don't know if I can find this image been screenshotting too many things yeah well, i mean there is that part i mean you're again i just don't know how how much that is is there is that kind of idea of of you know even some of the democrats were saying uh getting rid of the gop or anybody who supported trump in any way or form or fashion mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that rhetoric that's kind of that, yeah that's re- it's not good uh here <clears throat> it is so the left <clears throat> they say left center right and far right so they say that there isn't anyone on the left. Hmm. This is one person, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, but I've seen this a number of times mm-hmm. that there's no one on the left. AOC is in the center. Nancy Pelosi is on the right. And then they have far right. And there's a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse 
Which is funny. He's the picture of Of far right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's a move that a lot of Democrats would like to do, which is to like make it completely reprehensible to be right of Nancy Pelosi. Hmm. Um, and that seems pretty dangerous because you're, you're disenfranchising in a moral way, making it immoral to be right of Nancy Pelosi, which that's half the country. Sorry Mm -hmm. to say. Um, so that's not going to be good for us moving forward, but um, sort of the other side of that coin is what we were saying is like, if, if the Overton window on the left can expand, that could be a good thing. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a few different, uh, maybe we can link to these in the, you know, where it has, there's the different studies that show that, that the right, the conservative or the right side hasn't changed much, but the left has actually expanded. I mean, there is that Mm. you've seen those, that, that graph, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll try to put it in the show notes and I won't talk about it too much cause I don't want to, I hadn't looked at it in a while, but I just, it just kind of reminded me of that. Um, but yeah, there's, what, what is the thing we took that, uh, Oh, the political compass, the political compass. Wait, so you were saying that the left has expanded what in terms of acceptable beliefs or no, like where the, the right has actually stayed pretty much the same over time. It almost shifted left in a sense, but not in the sense of, mm-hmm. uh, of how that article was saying, right. Uh, you know I mean? Anything from like, uh, you know, gay marriage, um, uh, Oh, that's interesting. There's a lot of yeah. things that the, which is kind of like how traditionalist and, you know, liberals, conservative well, liberals I guess kind of if function. you, yeah, I mean, I guess if you, if you judge it by what you would consider right and left in the 1980s, then mm-hmm. it, that would make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the political compass, that's really interesting. Uh, it actually, it actually supports that graphic that I was just showing you in some yeah, certain some way, because mm-hmm. so what you do is you go, um, you can answer this. It's like what, 10 minutes mm-hmm. of questions. Um, one of those kind of like a personality test where they, they read you a statement and you say, you know, agree, neutral, strongly disagree, strongly agree or whatever. And they'll kind of tell you where you land on the political map. And we tend, we generally tend to think of, uh, political leanings as left, right, um, in one dimension, but there's actually another dimension, which is authoritarian versus libertarian. Um, so you can be left libertarian. Mm -hmm. You could be right libertarian or left authoritarian and left or right authoritarian. So you and I both took it. I think we both landed, uh, just left and south of center, mm-hmm. which would make us left libertarian, left libertarian, mm-hmm. slightly leaning, mm-hmm. but, but pretty much smack dab right in the middle. <laughs> but pretty much right in the middle. Yeah, um, which I was glad to find because I, <laughs> I consider myself there, and I was taking the test, and I was like, "What if I find out I'm not where I thought I was? You know? What if I'm far right? What if I'm a far right? Um, what if I'm a fascist? Uh, oh no!" Um, but they th- on that site. So they are able to take, they explain how they do this. So if you want to know how they do it, you can go, go read it. Um, cause I can't, uh, I can't recapitulate it, but, um, they have an analyzed present day politicians as well as older famous politicians. Um, it's and, from like their political pages and uh-huh. how they voted and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And plotted them on this graph and almost every politician out mm-hmm. there is right authoritarian. Mm-hmm. 
according to their analysis, yeah, which analysis. I thought was really interesting. Like but, even all the Democrats, which kind of makes sense though. I mean, if you're going to be in a position of power of any, and if any sort, you have to think your ideas are good ideas, hmm. you know, for the most part, I don't think you, well, does that characterize right authoritarianism though? I don't know. Or is it just, are you making a link between confidence and maybe conflating that with narcissism, which I think would get you right authoritarianism? Uh, I think there was something in either someone was writing about it or something like that, but I read something that uh, I'm speaking on my ass now. Okay, I'll cool. Just, I'll just take it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, very, very interesting. I mean, I do, as I, I do have a strong sense and maybe this kind of goes back to what we we're saying or I was saying earlier about just like feeling like I, I don't what, I, what I'm being t- told about the way things are doesn't match what I'm seeing. Um, but I think as we've, I think we've both this year kind of journeyed in a bit deeper into politics and, you know, paying attention to what's going on. I think that might be true of the whole country, but, yeah. um, you know, I'm surprised at what I learn like that. Like, mm-hmm. like at least on this one scale, all of our politicians are on the right. Mm-hmm. Um, things aren't what they seem. That's what I was thinking. And I think, I think we should be careful of that. I mean, I think one thing that we need to combat much of what has happened over the last year is a bit of healthy skepticism yeah. and for it to be <clears throat> safe and encouraged to be skeptical yeah. At least a bit like where is this information coming from? It's being told as if it's true, but is it true? And also like, I mean, something my mom told me, I get in trouble for all the time, all the time when I was growing up was using words like all, always, mm. never. You're always this way. You're all, yeah. You or, know what? Are <laughs> those 75 million people who voted for Trump are all like this. Mm-hmm. It's like, Anytime I hear the, that language, all, never, always, it sends off red flags. And so I think that's just something to, to hmm. just be aware of is as people start, and I'm, and I'm seeing it is, is whether you're on the left or the right is like, you know, all, um, all the left are this way and all the right are this way. You're hearing so much of that. And it's interesting to think about that as a red flag. <clears throat> it's hard to explain. Like I often have conversations in my, in my mind with people who I know are firmly on the left or firmly on the right. Mm-hmm. And I always lose. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I don't engage them in real life all what that do you often. Mean you always lose? <laughs> like, well, I don't know. I just don't, un- I, I don't feel like I can support my political skepticism well enough to engage in some of these things. Yeah. Um, but I think, so in, by way of an analogy, well, I think the main, just to kind of go back to that, I think there's something in that. Um, cause when you, when you're engaging, you're not really, you're get engaging to understand. You're not mm-hmm. engaging to persuade. True. Or I, that's my, that's my impression. So maybe when in my head, I have conversations in an attempt to persuade mm-hmm. and that's when I lose. But what are you trying to persuade to? Um, here's where I might get in trouble. So, so this is more of a thought experiment Mm -hmm. because I think over the last year, well, it was one of the, it's been an ongoing one that I keep having to try to understand what's real. Um, so I'll ask a simple question. Is Trump a racist? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's a whole half of the country who has decided conclusively 
put it sealed the, you know, sealed the verdict and whatever. Mm -hmm. He's absolutely a racist. You see it on all the headlines. Um, it's a bit hard for me to get there simply from first, first principles. So, so sometimes I'll imagine having a conversation with somebody who I know firmly believes that and mm -hmm. think, okay, could I get this person to legitimately ask themselves the question? Mm -hmm. It's not even to persuade them that he is or isn't. Yeah. Well, they're persuaded that he is. It's not to persuade them that he isn't. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that he isn't. I don't know. But yeah. to me, that question is not, it's not a, uh, an obvious, there's not an obvious answer for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and to, to get a person to simply say, okay, this is a question which is open. Mm -hmm. Let me look and see if I can answer it. Um, and I don't, I don't know how to do that, but it's, it's a conversation I want to have because I feel, I feel so confused mm -hmm. about how we arrived at that conclusion. <clears throat> It's interesting because even as you're saying that, I the way I interpret what you're saying is that anybody who has a firm stance in anything, you're going to question them about that. <laughs> Maybe it's probably a part of my personality, <laughs> I guess. Because um, if someone says like he isn't, you're like, well, why do you believe that? You know, right? I would question that too. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, it doesn't seem obvious to me. Mm -hmm either way. Yeah. Like I wouldn't look at him from first principles and say he's a racist or he's not a racist. Mm -hmm. You know, it's quite possible that he is a racist, at least in the, uh, pre <clears throat> 20, not 2020 definition of the word racism. Yeah. We, you know, which is that he harbors prejudice against others based upon the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but anyway, I, not to get, too far down, yeah, you know, that, that uh, <laughs> we're going to turn ourselves into uh, what is it? Douglas Murray calls the, the rocket with the, the tail, oh, the yeah. scorpion tail that just detonates <laughs> all of the mines. mines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's definitely not my job <clears throat> in this. <laughs> um, well, but I was thinking by way of an analogy about, you know, there are, there are these red flag sayings mm -hmm. and it doesn't make so much sense on the political side because I think the political side Everybody thinks they're right. Um, but by way of an analogy, if you're in a fight with your girlfriend or your, your wife, your boyfriend or husband, mm -hmm. and they say something like, oh, you always do this. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know exactly how that makes you feel. <laughs> uh -huh. So maybe we should consider that we are in a relationship mm -hmm. with everyone else in this country. And if you are saying that, all Republicans are this way. All Democrats are this way. Um, you know, maybe you're part of the problem and not the solution here. Damn, you just called out people. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I agree. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. I think there's something to... We should always be questioning our own um, interpretations of how we view the world and each other, you know, it's like what, yeah, I think the perfect example of, we were talking about being in a relationship, you know, um, if you're in a relationship with somebody, you're always aware of the other. And, and you also like, if, if you want a relationship with them at some point, there's a good, you have to extend goodwill. Yeah. 
I mean, it'd be great if both sides did that, but there's a certain uh, extending and accepting other people's goodwill. Yeah. And, um, and even overlooking some things that you might vehemently disagree with right? and try to find some sort of common ground. I think that's to start any sort of finding of common ground is really important. Another conversation I have in my head with people that I know that I will maybe disagree with is like, how, what, what would it be like rather than to disagree to say, okay, let's find something we agree on. Yeah. However small and insignificant that may be, let's find something that we agree on and then talk about things from there. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll find both of us changed through that conversation yeah. because the common ground, the, the shared value, as small as it may be, um, does breed, what's the word? Uh, it fosters, um, what well, fosters relationship, it fosters a bond. And I think, well, I find uh, Biden's unity slogan Mm -hmm. very hollow. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wish that we had a leader. And maybe I'll just state my position here. Um, I don't feel like. And, and I got this from someone else phrasing it this way, but I thought this is the best way to put it. I don't feel like there was a right answer in this election. Yeah. I feel like there were only wrong answers mm-hmm. and I don't feel like anybody can be blamed for how they've voted Yeah, because I just feel like it was like, you know, a multiple choice qu- question with only trick answers, <laughs> you know, and then it's like D all of the above. And you're like, that seems like, the right one, you know, well, the analogy broke down there, but I just, <laughs> I don't feel like we were given options to where there was a right answer to be had. Mm-hmm. That's my personal belief. Um, but I find Biden's unity call to be hollow and I, but I do think that we need unity mm-hmm. and it, but the reason I find his unity call to be hollow is because it also is sort of always followed up with some version of there is a wrong way to think and a right way to think mm-hmm. unity. Let's all think the right way. Um, and I, and I, I think that there's a strong argument to be made on to, to support that. I don't particularly find it compelling mm-hmm. because I don't think that that's what unity is. Mm-hmm. I mean, unity I think by definition politically is people of differing beliefs, differing perspectives, standing together for a common cause. Mm -hmm. That's the unity I want to see. So we've got to find the common cause or at least the common shared value or decency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then be willing to stand next to one another and say, you know what? We disagree on these things. I think you're wrong on this. You think I'm wrong on this. Um, I think I'm right on this and you think you're right on that, Mm -hmm. but we can stand together because we've agreed on this, you know, whatever that is. Um, there's a lot of people with better ideas about what that should be than, than I have. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe if we can, in our day to day lives, I think we were talking a couple of episodes about this idea that, you know, whatever it is that you see happening in 
the online world and social media or the news or even in politics or even in the inauguration, the things that you see Biden saying or Trump saying or whoever, mm-hmm. for the most part, none of that exists in the real world. Yeah. You know, you go outside, you have a conversation with somebody on a walk at a coffee shop. Again, we've been over this, but it doesn't exist. There is decency. Mm-hmm. There is co-humanity. We are all living a life together and you get a sense of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe if we can practice in those interactions, rather than disagreeing, but figuring out where we do agree and move from there, Mm -hmm. whatever is currently hollow about a call for unity can be slowly filled and made rich. Well, I think it's part I, I... I do, I do get the, there's a lot of things that are contrary to that call of unity. Um, but I kind of want to take it on good faith, mm-hmm. you know, at least, at least up front. And, um, you know, which I feel like for, for you and I in particular, it's like, we don't, don't necessarily have a, a problem talking with people from different sides of the spectrum. You know, mm-hmm. like I enjoy talking to my Republican fan, friends. And I love talking to my democratic friends and, um, you know, as, as long as it can be a civil conversation we don't, you know, yeah. <laughs> don't get stuck in the mud or something like that, you know, which, you know, most of the time doesn't happen. Um, but I think it's, it's harder. No, I don't want to say that. It's not really what I mean to say. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. Well, I, I guess it's those, those foundational principles of you know what the U.S. was built on. I think there's a lot of that that we're losing the mythology of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that, and it's not just who the U.S. was, but who what the U.S. has is be, has become and is becoming. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that story. Um, has really been a beautiful story throughout the ages with a lot of blood and a lot of um, sacrifice from those who've come before us. And I just, I just would hate to see ourselves lose that, you know? And, um, and so I think that's why I, I, I tend to want to just sort of have a little extend that, grace for the unity that is being called. I think that's, I think that's good. Um, although I do have my misgivings and you know, that, that you, I think you share also. Hmm. Well, I like how you say extending grace. I think that's, it's a, a co-traveler with this idea of mm-hmm. finding common ground. Well, I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to move forward beyond that because, you know, if we don't, if we lose that sacred space that we can all come together, it's like, that is where disunity really starts to show. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you don't provide space in a broad space for people to express themselves and to explore, uh, you're just going to cause a lot more divide. And you're seeing that with Twitter and Facebook right now, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not arguing whether Trump should be off Twitter or whatever, but just even the symbolic gesture 
is, <clears throat> is somewhat troubling to me. Um, because the symbolic gesture of kicking uh, him off, kicking him off. Yeah. Um, mainly because <clears throat> we need places to have disagreements to, uh, to, uh, to say absurd things, yeah. you know, I mean, as long as you're not inciting violence or, or asking, actually asking for, you know, the death of somebody or something mm-hmm. like that. And obviously there's, there's a lot of interpretation I've heard on that already, <laughs> right. but, but we, we, it's, it's just so necessary because if you take away that public, that public expression, that public display is the same thing with protesting. You, it, it will only result in violence. Hmm. That's interesting because how else, how else am I going to express myself? Not right. me particular, but us as a nation. It's interesting to compare that to protests though, because if you were to say, you know what, look, these protests all summer have become violent mm-hmm. reliably, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and they may be statistically mostly peaceful, but they are yeah. reliably violent. Mm-hmm. And so if your response to that is to say, all right, you know what? No more protest, mm-hmm. no more first amendment. So what happens to all of that energy? Yeah. Well, it, it builds up and mm-hmm. it's going to come out eventually. And it's probably not going to be sort of the reliable, if not minimal relative to the protest violence. It's going to be lots of violence. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with Trump in particular, I, I would say if you're concerned about him, spreading misinformation or riling up his people. It seems like the worst thing that you can do is shut him out of public discussion (laughs) because Trump's not really a guy to shut up. So (laughs) he's going to find another way. Uh And that way is is going to be under all of your, our radar. Mm -hmm. So then you don't know what he's doing. Yeah. You know, this seems like, a bad move, especially if you have real concerns about, you know, Trump being a fascist, authoritarian, despot, dictator, choose one or put them all together. <laughs> um, I, I personally don't, again, I don't see any evidence for that sort of like, I don't really, um, you know, I've, the question doesn't seem obviously answered to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are concerned that he is that or could become that, then making him go underground is only going to encourage it. Yeah. And it, it also validates maybe other people's concerns that, you know, you're actually trying to silence this guy. It, it validates their, their concerns on the other side, as far as like, Oh no, this is actually true and real that there's a group of people trying to dissuade her to silence my viewpoints, you know, um, which is not, I, I see that going so many different ways <laughs> really fast. Uh, it's just a bad idea. I think that's where I want to yeah, get right. in that one on. Uh, yeah. The social media problem is uh, there's also not an obvious answer No, um, because there's also obviously real world um, damage that is done mm-hmm. because of what happens in social media. Mm-hmm. And that should be, curbed and mitigated as much as possible. Yeah. How to do that is not an easy, no, not an easy thing to figure out. And we're probably going to have to struggle with that. I think for at least a few more years before we come to something that makes sense for us moving forward as a culture. But, 
you know, and we'll probably get it wrong a lot of times before mm-hmm. we get it right. Well, that's true. Cause, I mean, you do, <clears throat> I mean, there's a certain part, you know, um, even in, even in, uh, uh, having a discussion or a floor, I mean, I know there's some other, what's that one that, uh, Brett was talking about the school or a social, um, clubhouse clubhouse. There you mm-hmm. go. You know, we do need arenas where people can come together and, and speak, but then also it's, there has to be rules in place to allow speech to happen, you mm-hmm. know? And so, so I get that. It's like, you know, in the, in the Senate, you know, it's like you have, you have time, here's your 15 minutes and you speak, right? you know, okay. I yield to the Senator from New York <laughs> or whatever it might be, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so there's a, there's, there is a certain amount of rules of engagement that needs to happen, but you can't just take the Senator from Delaware and say, yeah, we're not going to hear from you anymore. Right. We don't, <laughs> we, we decided we don't like what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, they have a, they have a, but I, I, I get, again, everyone makes the whole, like it's a business and you, and you know, it's not a public square, but I think that is, I think our definition of that's going to change over the years. Yeah. I think that our concepts of private versus public space mm-hmm. are changing so rapidly. Yeah. That think we don't know how to think about those categories cr- properly mm-hmm. right now. And I'm confident that we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm also confident that the, the basic value system laid out in the bill of rights is the right foundation for it. Yeah. Now how we apply that here and now, especially in a, an environment that's changing as quickly as as ours is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to struggle with that. I mean, I, I just feel like there's a, there's a simple answer with the complexities inside that is that, you know, there's that, the whole publisher or, um, platform. I think that just needs to be cleaned up and well, yeah, I'm, I'm probably not well versed enough in, in those, uh, in that concept to speak helpfully about it, but I'm probably not either. It's not, that's also not an easy thing to do either, because if you say that a social network is a publisher with a, then they're liable for everything that happens, which means you can't have free speech. Um, but if you say it's a platform, then there's a whole other set of problems that come along with it. It's almost like the, the distinction between those two categories is, is too binary. Well, I think if it's a platform, then the bill of rights applies, you know, like you can't incite violence, uh, you know, and you can't call for the death or doxing of somebody, you know? Well, but then the, the platform, so who, so then you're assigning, um, a moral legal neutrality, to mm-hmm. it as a platform, mm-hmm. just like a platform in a public square. Yeah. But it's not because who governs and judges whether or not somebody is breaking the law. It, so right now it's the, it's the platform itself. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the problem because they are not elected officials. They are not representatives, representatives of the law. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want. Well, it'd, be, it'd just be a legal thing that, you know, um, well, so the platform would have to be governed 
by the judicial 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 system. Yeah, um, which takes social networks out of the private sphere into the public sphere. But I think that's the. I would say that's the. In order to have that function, though, because I mean, again, <clears throat> Twitter and Facebook, they function as a public, as a public space, right? Although it is private, and it, I, I totally get that. But um, I think it's if it was to be completely private, the space. I think you would have you'd have a whole bunch of other. Um, issues to deal with. I mean, cause like you think of like CNN and MSNBC and Fox, like, like they're liable if they slander or anything on their platform is, um, you know, breaks the law. They're personally well, because they're publishers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not going to solve this <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast. No, we're not. We're probably just leave that one alone. Yeah. But I think that's, I think that right there is a huge, a huge thing we need to figure out moving forward or at least, lay some groundwork on because mm-hmm. that's going to be a big problem. If, if you don't agree with a corporation's politics and you get kicked off of that platform or publisher or whatever it is, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it's like they say, go make your own. But then like, even like we saw parlor got kicked off of Apple and Google and, and it's like, and well, but the thing is that people are going to go make their own despite that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that that was sort of like the cry from the, the right, which is like, True. you know, you say go make your own, but how am I going to make my own Amazon web services and Apple and Google and all of this? And the thing about the private sector is that it will always be innovating and, mm-hmm. and that problem will get solved. Yeah. So, so you can regulate Twitter, let's say, or let's say that Twitter successfully and righteously and morally regulates itself itself. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, great. Okay. There's no reason to stop me, nothing to stop me from creating my own Twitter and that becoming popular. It might be, the hurdles might be high, mm-hmm. um, but that will happen. Well, so how do you regulate then that new one? Yeah. Cause you're going to have to. Well, I think it's just more unfortunate. Um, I don't know if I want to get into that story. Um, what's well, just unfortunate because here you have a, a platform that is alive and kicking with very, very diverse opinions, you know, left and right functioning right now. Mm-hmm. And Facebook is the same thing. Like this is an opportunity to help facilitate dialogue. It's like the, almost the worst thing that can happen is that you start to, um, divide your audience and where maybe one side no longer feels that it can really participate on this platform. So you've actually just created more of an echo chamber for your own. I mean, again, you hear this whole thing with, you know, where were we? 75 and 80 million people. Whatever the divide was between Trump and, and, uh, and Biden. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's a significant divide. That's basically 50, 50. Yeah. And so it's like, we, we need platforms like Twitter and Facebook to be responsible and reasonable. You'd almost say like they'd want to be fulfill that role. 
I mean, you're going to get yeah. kickbacks from both sides. I think that's that's there's there's that part, but someone has to stand up and say, "Okay, we're we're going to stand in the middle here, and we want to provide space for you hmm. to have this dialogue, hmm. and we're going to try to." And I mean, again, I, I, I want to attribute good faith to Dorsey and and Zuckerberg in this. Um, I mean, to get, I mean, they're 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 in such new territory. This is new frontier, you know. <laughs> like we've never seen a, a platform so powerful. Even social, even the uh, uh, mainstream media is almost not as powerful as Twitter and Facebook. Totally, and <clears throat> and they are, well, they are changing how they conceive of themselves very rapidly as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. even the idea of fact checks on social media, yeah, that's new as of COVID Mm -hmm. that didn't exist before COVID. Well, I guess it started with Trump and the debates. (laughs) No, it was going on before that, Mm -hmm. uh, before the debates. I mean, before, I mean, 2016. Oh, I feel like it was like a, uh, uh, like, it, it, that's when it, it seemed like that's when it kind of started. That's when I feel like I started hearing it was like after Hillary and, and like ideas of fact checking. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm talking about the platforms oh, themselves, the platform themselves installing gotcha. fact check notifications on posts. Like yeah. I'm sure you've seen it, you know, even on Instagram, mm-hmm. somebody posts a story and they'll automatically put a fact check on the story mm-hmm. that, that wasn't happening until probably coronavirus. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty rapid evolution of, of, social media and their role to play in policing conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we should take some solace in the fact that this is very new. Yeah. And if we are going to get it right, we're going to get it wrong before we get it right. Mm-hmm. So maybe this means we're on the path to getting it right. No, I like that. I like that interpretation. I mean, because you both of you and I have been in business, so it's like we know mm-hmm. <laughs> you get a lot more things wrong than you get totally. right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but somehow you kind of get by. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they, they are incentivized to get by. Yeah. <clears throat> totally. You know, these companies aren't going to go under. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really like what you're saying about holding space for. Well, I think what you were saying was dis- diversity of, of ideas, diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking last episode, I think, like you, you need that diversity of thought in order for, to grow and move forward at all. Mm-hmm. So we desperately need that. Um, I hope we figure out how to provide it. Yeah. You know, I think, <clears throat> you know, I think it's okay. Like, I think we're doing a fairly decent that space hasn't eroded too far yet, but I mm-hmm. was reflecting about, um, you know, when the first deplatforming happened, uh, it was Alex Jones. Yeah. And the idea, the word deplatforming hadn't been invented yet. And this was just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Alex Jones, it was invented and it was like in one day he was taken off Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else. Um, he was deplatformed. So now we have a concept of deplatforming and everybody sort of freaked out. Like a lot of people celebrated, a lot of people freaked out. Mm-hmm. And I was just reflecting on the fact that it's only been a couple of years, you know, and the, and the people who were freaking out about deplatforming being a dangerous thing, 
the, you know, the other side was saying it's Alex Jones. Like, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> obvious this makes sense. And uh, that side just kind of had to be like, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. It does make sense, but still the precedent, mm-hmm. you know, and then fast forward just a couple of years. Now the president of the United States is deplatformed. <laughs> like that it's went so from crazy. zero to 100 uh-huh. really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen, and, and, you know, if you say to me, well, the president makes sense just like Alex Jones makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. okay, fair enough. But you need to see the difference between like the office that he held and the position that Alex Jones held. Mm-hmm. But even if that, you know, it still makes sense to you. It wasn't just him. It was also like the Washington Post, oldest publication in America, deplatformed. You know, um, lots of, I think what would have two years ago seemed like untouchable positions to be held to be deplatformed have mm-hmm. been, been deplatformed. That's a little frightening. Yeah. Or even just the whole uh, Unity 2020 uh, where Brett Weinstein kind of put together and drafted. Yeah. Um, what was it? Uh, D- uh, Tulsi Gabbard and Dan Crenshaw. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is like a completely kid, <laughs> kid friendly. <laughs> well, the funny thing was it, it was completely nonpartisan. Nonpartisan. Yeah. And it, they, they were bumped. They yeah. were booted, booted deplatformed, deplatformed. And it was like, and it still hasn't been reinstated. Yeah. Even to this day, they did nothing wrong. I, I, right. don't, I, I don't think anybody can look at that and say, Oh, well, they went outside the duopoly. Yeah. But I, but I can, I, you know, this is just more of the conspiracy part of it is just that here's something that could disrupt this election and possibly favor a certain mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's just, that is disturbing that part. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I tend to be like, believe that we are just in the, a really confusing time that, mm-hmm. that, that I hope that kind of reason wins out here mm-hmm. in the confusion. And, uh, I don't think, I think we're still two or three years away at the least from, from reason, from reason. That's discouraging. <laughs> I don't, I don't mean, I don't know because it's anytime you have a, a, something that's disrupting, it has to kind of run its course, you know, before in the chips lay where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, because then it becomes obvious too, because if it doesn't run its course, then it's, it's sort of mm-hmm. like an infection that never actually heals, yeah, but point. just always just sort of <laughs> sits there <laughs> infected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's well, messy, do you I have mean. any, um, shorter term predictions? What's going to happen with COVID? COVID? Is that a thing? No. That's, no so, <laughs> oh, that's right. It ended today. It ended that's today. Right. <laughs> Biden said on day one uh-huh. he was going to deal with COVID. He's, yeah, so he's got that under control. So now. we're done now. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> no, there is some really funny, so absurd, <laughs> absurd statements like that. Uh, oh, man. Short-term predictions. Um. I feel like the next six months are a write-off. Um, I feel like a lot of people are going to flex and um, 
say I told you so. Say I told you so, or on both sides, yep. and a lot of a lot of people on each side are going to be proven right <laughs> in their predictions. <laughs> right, right. But you think past six months? That's past the. It's like beyond the expiration date of the mm-hmm. the known, which yeah. we're, which we're all very fixated on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's when we'll we'll start. Because I, th- I, th- I think in some childish way, we need to allow every some of those people to get that out of their system, take the win, take the loss. Yeah, and brag or spit in the other person's face or whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, uh, but at some point we were like, okay, but yeah, we need to, uh, also this is a nation of 330 million people and we need to move forward somehow. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm definitely, there's a lot of concerns I have in that area, but I do believe most people are decent and, want the best for their neighbor. And, um, so I think that's more something I'm committed to believe. (laughs) Now we'll see where, where that goes from here. But, um, like, and I think that's something I, I want to model, you know, it's like, that's something that like, even if you and I disagree, whoever's listening to this and I don't know what that would be, but, um, (laughs) I don't know what you would possibly disagree with me on. (laughs) Well, it's not because I don't really say these. I don't have any statements. I just have mm. questions. So, yeah, right. <laughs> like if you if if we dis- disagree, well, we on, live in a, an age where you can disagree with questions. Oh, that's true too. Well, if you disagree with questions, I'm really sorry because I have a lot of questions. Yeah, and that's just something I can't apologize for. <laughs> well, I just did apologize. Um, I'm really sorry. I can't apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's hilarious. That's actually really true. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have any predictions. Uh-huh. I think I have some hopes. Mm-hmm. As frustrating as it is for me to say it, I do hope that this changes our stance on coronavirus. Yeah. And I kind of think it will. I kind of think it has to. Would you hear about the who? No. Oh, they just, they, they re- they're starting to recommend less, uh, less, what do you call it, the reiterations? Um, oh, on the, on the COVID, COVID test. test. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that called? Uh, less cycles, less cycles. Yeah. PCR test. Mm-hmm. Yes. Po- poly. Oh, I can't remember what it stands for now. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's the test where you take a sample of tissue and then you replicate it, um, by orders of magnitude and the common, uh, rule of thumb pre COVID was that anything replicated past 25 cycles there was you. worthless. Mm-hmm. But apparently most tests in the United States for COVID specifically are replicating up to 40 times. Up to 40 times. Yeah. Okay. So the who finally backed s- off of that. Backed off of that. I don't, I forgot what the actual number is, but right. that's which big. is one of the things that I think, you know, push some people into this, potentially conspiracy theory mindset of like, mm-hmm. why, like what's the incentive to push it to 40 when we knew past 25 was a worthless diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And you know, that made people think somebody's trying to push up the case count, inflate the case count for mm-hmm. reasons that are, then become conspiracy. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that they're, I think we're going to have to walk back some of the, um, 
drama mm-hmm. around COVID. Yeah. Because if we don't, you know, I, I, I okay. So Biden said, I'm going to get the pandemic under control, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you can, fantastic. But yeah. also, so here's my question. Um, tell me one thing that you could try to do that hasn't already been su- suggested and tried. Mm-hmm. Because I can't think of anything, and you haven't told me anything. <laughs> totally. So <clears throat> I think the only thing that you can do, realistically, is change the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. You can't really change anything. Like, There's nothing like tangible, fundamental, that you can change about what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. We're all masking. We're all social distancing. Testing is happening. Vaccines are happening. It's, there's really nothing else to do except for change the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. So um, I think he's going to, he has to do that. Otherwise he's going to be seen as failing to fulfill that promise. I think I have a personal benefit to that because I want this shit to be over, <laughs> you know? So uh, if Biden can change it basically just by telling us that he changed it and we all believe him and (laughs) you know it's frustrating because i'm not a lemur (laughs) you know uh but it is an outcome that i would like so it's funny i've I've kind of just given myself to that that scenario Mm -hmm. like biden's going to tell us he's going to control the virus and then he's going to tell us he has controlled the virus and and, and then cherry pick the data to support that. Uh-huh, and then we'll, be, and then the media will parrot it uh-huh. and everything's gonna be okay. You know what? April showers bring May flowers. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we kind of make light of this and it's not that, you know, the, you know, what has happened has been absolutely crazy and we've definitely been hugely affected by that. And especially yeah. me and my business has been hugely affected by this. But there's there were we're kind of we're kind of just I, I say this as a disclaimer just because uh, there's a little bit of a frustration in this that is wasn't I don't think was we didn't really have to have this and that's there's an irony to I think what's going to transpire over the next six months with COVID that's going to be somewhat laughable I think yeah I think it. You know, it's just such a shame that we made COVID political, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but maybe because we did, we shouldn't have, but we did. And because we did, the only solution is political. Like yeah. you got to undo what you made political by political means. Damn it. I hate that. I really hate that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think you're, I think you're, and I honestly think right now, giving the mainstream media I think that's one of the one of the reasons I think Biden win was probably good. So I don't think I don't think if yeah. Trump had won, it, right. would, it would have it just it just would it would just never end. Yeah, if you want to get out of the pandemic, then you probably want Biden as president. Yeah, not because he's going <laughs> to do anything about it. Yeah, in the real world, but the rhetoric wouldn't have changed otherwise. It wouldn't have changed. I mean, the amount of just, if Trump says why, you know, or Z Z, uh, the media says a, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just been, 
I mean, not that Trump, not that either one of those is correct. I'm just saying that that's just <laughs> it was the rules of the, the rule game. Of the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we needed to change the game we were playing. Yeah. Hmm. Um, who was it? Maybe Sam Harris was talking about it this way, or was it Eric Weinstein? Something about like if you're Oh, he was talking about like an MMA fight mm-hmm. and you see somebody he's just throwing a punch in the same place for 10 rounds, mm-hmm. just wearing this other guy down the same punch. And it's like, at some point, if you're the one getting punched, don't you want to punch somewhere else? Just like change where the punch is, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, just move it to the leg for a little bit, uh-huh. you know? Um, I thought that was a great analogy <laughs> for, uh, like, let's switch this up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, instead of the face, let's start punching out the knee, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. So regardless of what's, you know, real, uh, that's a, a philosophical question that I think we could probably spend a lot of time on, but I mean, real in terms of like, what's actually happening, who's actually sick, who's actually dying. What are the mm-hmm. numbers? We don't know. Um, or at least I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can change the rhetoric a bit, I think that'd be a good thing. Yeah. You know, even if it's just as wrong as the previous one, at least it's something different and we can take a breath. So I wish Joe Biden the best. I, I have my misgivings, had my misgivings about the last guy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but I really do believe in this country. And I don't personally believe that the guy at the top has the ability to yeah. ruin what I love about this country. Mm-hmm. Um, so my hope is that he can add to what is good mm-hmm. and looking forward to seeing what happens. Well, also, I mean, I think God, what you were saying is just like, there's like this clarity that comes up. It's like, yeah, it, has, it it really has nothing to do with the president. It has to do with you listening. It's like going out on the shores, mm-hmm. take someone with you. Mm-hmm. You know, even better if they disagree with you. Yeah, and just go out there and explore together. And isn't that? Mm-hmm. I mean, the most interesting thing <clears throat> is looking at the same thing with somebody who disagrees with you. Mm-hmm. You get to see what they see. Yeah. Because they're seeing something that you're not seeing, Mm -hmm. you know, and don't make the mistake of condemning them to immorality because they see something different than you. Yeah. Take the time to see what they see. Mm -hmm. Put yourself in in their eyes and you're going to learn something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just so true. It's, it's so valuable. I mean, you know, you look through someone's, someone else's eyes or walk in their shoes and, um, yeah, I think it's just important. It's mm-hmm. almost like a, it's almost like homework for all you guys is to <laughs> yeah. is to go and just ask somebody a question and be genuinely interested mm-hmm. in what they have to say and um, how they see the world. You know, yeah. And it's not to mean you don't question and push and stuff like that, but it's all about doing it in good faith and understanding and relationship. You know? I like how you say be genuinely interested, mm. and that takes effort and it takes a conscious effort. Yeah. Something I, I'm gonna do that homework. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. All right. 
That's a good place to yeah. end it for tonight. We had no idea what we were going to do tonight. No, we didn't. But we did it. Stuffed on a few landmines. <laughs> I haven't exploded yet. I haven't either. We'll wait for tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, we love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you.